0: Okay, I uh, am going to talk today about uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, and uh, before I start, I'd like to just ask God to bless our, bless, bless our time. So if you join me in prayer, Father, I just want to come before you and uh, I just pray that you would anoint me to share your word this morning. I just pray that uh, what I share can be heard. And the people can begin to walk into it, Lord God. I just pray that as your word is shared here, that it will also accomplish what you desire. I just pray that over us this morning, in Jesus' name. So, uh, we're going to talk about the Feast of Tabernacles. We're going to touch a little bit on uh, some of the other feasts. And uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about the end times. And... I gave you guys you have it should have a handout, and just so you know the very first note has a mistake. sorry <laughs> but it should be deuteronomy sixteen it, you could actually look at verses one through sixteen, but actually sixteen is the one I'm gonna read and uh that talks about the th- uh the three main feasts there was about seven different feasts that the children of Israel uh, celebrated. But the three main ones are the ones in this section of scripture. And uh, I'll start reading in uh, verse 16. And I'm reading from the New American Standard. I know uh, most of you have NIVs or some other deal, but uh, this is what I got. So it says, three times in a year will all your males appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses, at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is basically the Feast of Passover, okay? All of you are probably familiar with that. At the Feast of Weeks, which is the Feast of Pentecost. A lot of you are familiar with the Day of Pentecost, Acts 2. And then the Feast of Booths, which actually is... The Feast of Tabernacles, which I'm going to talk about today. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. So when we come before God, we don't come empty-handed. We come with ourselves, right? And God wants to meet us. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit about Passover. Passover is a feast that was fulfilled... Does anybody know when that was filled, fulfilled? When Jesus died on the cross, right? That was during the Feast of Passover. And the Feast of Passover, there was a lamb that was slain. This was when the children of Israel left Egypt. There was a lamb that was slain. They took the blood and they put it on the, around the door on the lentils and the doorpost. Basically formed a cross. And that blood from that lamb protected them. From the plagues that were coming on Egypt. Jesus fulfilled that. What does that mean to us? Well, of course, that's our salvation. That's the fact that, you know, Jesus, God made a way for us to come back into relationship with Him. God's desire has always been to have a relationship with us. I don't really know why, but that's what He wants. He wanted it clear back in the Garden of Eden. He set it up. We were in the garden. Things were great. We could could eat of any tree in the garden except one. We could actually eat of the tree of life. But unfortunately, mankind, Adam and Eve, chose to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They were deceived, but they chose that. Well, what the Feast of... uh, Pentecost does, or Passover, excuse me, not Pentecost, Passover is, it makes a way for us to come back into relationship with God. The sacrifice that Jesus did on the cross makes it possible for us to come back into relationship with God. And I like what the Bible says about our sins. Do you know how many of our sins have been covered by the blood of Christ? All of them. Now what does that mean? All. That means all of them. It means the ones we did yesterday. The ones today. And even the ones in the future. So our sins are taken care of. What does that mean about our relationship with God? It means we can come in. We do not have to worry about God not receiving us. That's a big thing, because what did Adam and Eve do when they sinned in the Garden of Eden? They hid. God came in to spend time with them like he evidently always did, and they hid. Their sin caused them to hide from God, which our sin causes us that same thing. But it shouldn't. If we're born again and we have the Spirit of God living inside us, that's what happens when we're born again. God comes and he indwells us. And that's what the Feast of Tabernacles, which I'm going to talk about, is about. It's a feast about dwelling with God. Okay, so that's uh, Passover. I'm old, so I sometimes forget things, okay? Pentecost. What happened on Pentecost? That is the feast that they celebrated, the beginning of the harvest, the feast of the early grains. Well, what happened on Pentecost? That was where the church was birthed. Where God poured out the Holy Spirit on all mankind. And the church was birthed and there were 3,000, I think it was 3,000, might have been 5,000. I think it was 3,000 were saved that day. 3,000. Comparison to the law. When the law was given, 3,000 died. Pentecost That feast was fulfilled with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. What's the purpose of the Holy Spirit? It empowers us. It gives us the power to be able to walk the way God wants us to walk. And have power. You know, we can... Jesus said, things that I've done... Somebody said, are you going to spit today? I said, I'm going to try not to. I just did. Sorry. You guys there." But (laughs) Uh, Jesus said that the things that I've done, greater things than these you shall do. How are we going to do that? It's by the Spirit of God being upon our lives. So the Feast of Pentecost is very, very important. Uh, The next feast that I wanted to talk about was the Feast of Tabernacles. And literally what Tabernacles means in the Hebrew and in the Greek uh, is dwelling place. It's a place of dwelling. Uh, and that, and, it, and it's also, the Feast of Tabernacles is also a f- feast of celebrating the end of the harvest. The ingathering of all of the, the oil, the wine, the grain, the ingathering of that. And it was a feast. It was the feast that they celebrated the most. I mean, it was seven days of really feasting and having a good time. Why? Because it was the end of basically the work of the year. They had everything coming in. It was in the storehouses. It was a real time of celebration, And it also was the end of the year. The Feast of Tabernacles was always thought of as being a feast of the end of the age or the end of the time, the end of the year. Well, does that relate to us today? I think it does. You know, for years, ever since the church began, they talked about, you know, the second coming, the end of the age. In fact, they even asked Jesus when he ascended, Is it at this time? You're going to restore the kingdom? They thought, you know, it was all going to happen pretty quick. Paul talked about it. Timothy talked about it. Do we talk about it today? Yeah, we do. There's a lot of things that have happened in the world today that I think we're probably, I think you can truly say we are in the last days. And one of the greatest things that I think makes that a reality is the nation of Israel. See, all of the times before in the prophecies and stuff, it talked about the nation of Israel coming back and being restored. Well, that had never happened like in 1850 or whatever, you know, in 400 A.D. But it has happened now. 1948, the nation of Israel was reestablished. So I really believe that we are in the last days. I'd like to read a section of scripture. It's Second uh, Timothy 3, 1 through 5. Don't you like it when you go to read a scripture and you're in the wrong book completely? <laughs> I was in 1 Timothy, I went, whoa. Okay, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times, or a lot of translations say perilous times will come. Men will be the lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, Unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men. Now my question to you is, does that sound like our days? A little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. So I say, we're living... In the last days. And I really believe God is calling. To his people. Which is us. People that have a relationship with him. To come in and be more intimate with him. God wants to be your friend. He wants to know you. And he wants us to know him. You now I've often wondered, what are we going to do for eternity up in heaven? We're going to sit on clouds, fish, hunt. What are we going to do? You know what I think we're going to do? I think we're going to learn to know God. I think he's going to show us who he is. I think we'll spend eternity really knowing him. You think, wow, that sounds boring. But no, it, I don't think it is. You know, you see the cherubims before the throne of God. And they're just praising him, praising him all 24 hours a day, saying how great he is. And they've been doing that forever. But God is calling us to tabernacle with him, to dwell with him, to be intimate with him. And I don't know what your situations are, what your walk is like with God. I don't have a clue. God does. But God is calling you to be more intimate, to allow him to empower you with his Holy Spirit. Why? Because it's the end times. It's the end gathering. God wants a people that will go out there and bring in the sheaths. He wants laborers for the field. He wants us, I mean... You know, I've always heard people talk about the sphere of influence. You know, what's your sphere of influence? Who do you talk to? Who do you affect? Well, everybody in this room has different people that they talk to every day. There's some people in this room that see people I may never see in my lifetime. I can't talk to them about Jesus, but guess what? You can. We are all important to the plan of God. And they're And I encourage you, if you don't get anything else out of this, please listen to what Romans 8.1 says. I know most of you are familiar with it, but it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There is nothing that should keep us away from God. God does not condemn us. If you're walking your life with Christ and you're feeling condemnation, I tell you right now, that is from the pit of hell. That is Satan lying to you, saying that you're not good enough, you don't have the ability, you thought this thought. You know what? We have got to start being a people who walk from perfection. Do you hear what I said? Who walk from perfection. We are perfect people. I'll read some scriptures here in a while that'll point to that and show you that I'm just not making that up. We are perfect. Now, does that mean our performance is perfect? No, our standing is perfect. But you know what? We make mistakes. Am I the only guy who makes mistakes in my walk with God? No. Look at Romans 7. Does anybody know who Apostle Paul is? He, he's a big dude in, the, in Christianity, isn't he? He wrote most of the New Testament. Romans 7, he talks about the struggle he had doing what he didn't really want to do, the things he wants to do, know he should do, he doesn't do. That's our life in Christ, but that should never keep us from coming to Jesus. I mean, we can come to Jesus, we can ask Him for anything, and His heart's desire is to give it to us. God is a giver, He wants to give to us. I've often said the only thing that limits the power of God in our lives is ourselves. God wants to give us everything that is good. And pleasant. He wants us to succeed. Whether it be in business, ministry, whatever. And he wants us to touch people's lives. And the miraculous. You know, God is a miraculous God. And he wants us to be a miraculous people. We should never sell ourselves short and think that... ah. I can't pray for healing. I'm going to bring this guy to Blake. Pastor Blake. So he can pray for him. No. Why don't you try it yourself. Because I can guarantee you. Jesus will meet you. There. That's God's plan. So this Feast of Tabernacles. Is all about dwelling with God. And it's all about the end times. Which we're living in. So. What do we do? Let's take a look at, you know, I love this verse. It's, uh, let's see, where is it? Oh, Revelations 21, 3 through 5. You know, I talked a little bit about this in our home group the other day, about uh, everything coming from heaven. You know, so much we talk about going to heaven, going to heaven. But everything is going to come down to earth. We're going to actually live here on earth with God for eternity. Here on this earth. It's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. But this is where we're going to live. But anyway, here's what it says. It says, uh, in the, uh, what, what did I tell you we were going to read? <laughs> 21, 3 through 5. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle or dwelling place of God is among men. And he shall dwell with them, or tabernacle, tabernacle with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them. And he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall no longer be any death. There shall no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne says, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write. For these words are faithful and true. So God is going to come down and he is going to tabernacle with us. And I'm going to read a verse in the next chapter of Revelations which is pretty close to the end of the Bible. And it talks about how God literally is going to be the light. There won't be a sun and a moon. He's going to be the light. And God is, wants to dwell with us. And, of course, this is in the future. But, you know, uh, God wants to dwell with us right now. And he wants us to reach out to him. And I'm, and I'm not here to uh, convict you or make you feel guilty thinking, ah, I just don't spend enough time with Jesus. I'm not trying to do that. What I'm trying to get you to do is step things up just a little bit and maybe get a little closer to Jesus. You know, not out of guilt, but just out of a hunger. You know, just ask God. God, give me a hunger to know you. Give me a hunger to know you. Pray that every day. How long was that prayer? Five seconds? You got time for that one. Do it every day, and I guarantee you, God will meet you. He'll give you a hunger he wants a he wants a people that want to know him he wants a people that want to know him and it's exciting i'm I, I can't i'm so excited about what's coming because i believe god is going to restore the power of the holy spirit over his people we're not going to be playing church anymore we're going to be walking in the reality of Jesus Christ and the power of God. And that's different. So, uh, you know, there's a parable that most of us know. It's out of Matthew, I think, 25. Yeah, it's the parable of the ten virgins. And it's talking about, and it's an end time deal. And uh, does anybody know what's kind of the... the key, or the big thing in that parable, What is it? Preparation, Preparation yeah, but I, it's not what I was looking for. What is it? The oil. The oil yeah. Remember they had lamps? There were five wise, it says five unwise. They all had lamps, which tells me they must be all symbolic of being born again, children of God. They had some oil. but what did it say about the wise? They had extra oil, and the unwise didn't. And then when the call came, the five wise went in. I think that is a parable that talks about the end times and how we need to make sure we have enough oil. And oil is symbolic of, does anybody know? The Holy Spirit, Spirit, yeah. So God's calling us to push into him, to tabernacle with him, to dwell with him. And uh, I don't know even how long I've been talking. uh, But I'd like to look at uh, some verses, and then I'm going to close. If you'd turn with me to Colossians one twenty-two, And I'll read that. And I don't think those verses are even on your notes. Okay, is everybody there? It says, uh, Colossians 1, verse 22, it says, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death, okay? So we're bo- he reconciled us, he brought us back, basically, Uh, because of the crucifixion, in order, there's a reason for it, to present you before him holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. Now, do you feel that way? (laughs) No. Probably none of us do. But that's our standing before God. That's the way God looks at us. Holy, blameless, perfect. Perfect. That's uh, I didn't write this. <laughs> it's in the Word of God. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. We are complete in Him. Okay? I, we need to really grasp hold of this because I'm telling you what, the enemy wants to keep you down. He wants to keep you like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He wants to keep you hiding in the bushes, afraid to come out and... And reach out to God. But I'm encouraging you today to go for God. Reach out. Ask God for things. Ask God to do things in your lives. Another verse is Colossians 2.13. Just over on the next page. Everybody there? Okay. And when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh... He made you alive together with him, having forgiven, how many of your transgressions? All of your transgressions. Real important that we hold on to that. You know, if you were battling with things in your life, start quoting some of these verses. Start quoting some of these verses. This is what the word says about you. I don't care how you feel. What's the word say about you? Word says, all my sins are forgiven. I mean, that's hard to wrap our head around because we live in a world that is performance-oriented, right? You receive from how you perform. Is that not true? So how can God give us total forgiveness and freedom when we haven't done anything? All we have done is believe and receive. We do have something we have to do, which we're going to talk about that here in just a little while. But, but we've got to start grasping hold of what the Word says. And then I'd like uh, to look at Hebrews 10 and verses 16 and 17. This is about covenant. Uh anybody know what a covenant is? Somebody? Contract, contract basically. Yeah. It's basically a contract. It's a deal. You got a deal. So we've had deals with God. There's anybody ever heard of the old covenant? And now we're in the new covenant. And we're going to read about the new covenant. And when the a, the a new covenant is established, then the old covenant is taken away. Okay? What is the Old Covenant? Does anybody know? It's basically the law, yeah. Where we had to perform, there's things we could do, couldn't do. There's a lot of uh, rules and regulations in the Old Covenant. Uh, But now we're in a New Covenant. So let's see what it says about this. It says, and this is the covenant that I will make after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws upon their heart, and upon their mind I will write them. He then says, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. So like I said, we are free to come into a relationship with Jesus. I know Blake had just talked about, uh, had, had a series on the tabernacle, and the temple and all of that stuff. And what was the one place that only a priest could go once a year? The Holy of Holies. And there was a big curtain that kept people out of there. And if you went in there wrongly, what happened to you? You died. Now that has been opened up and we can go in to the Holy of Holies because of what Christ did on the cross. And that's all of us. If you've been born again. That's a real key, if you've been born again. And that's why Jesus told Nicodemus in John that unless a man is born again, he can't even see the kingdom of God. You can't even begin to walk as a true Christian unless you've been born again. And We've got to have the Spirit of God living inside us. We've got to be regenerated. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and close with... uh, Revelations 3.20 this is a real familiar verse and it's usually used uh, to kind of lead people into a beginning relationship with Jesus but I'm using it in a different way I believe that God is knocking on the door of of our hearts and the doors of our lives. And I believe he's asking to come in. And he wants to come in and sup with us and have a relationship with us. Let me read that verse. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, 20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door... I will come into him and will dine with him. And he with me. This speaks of fellowship. I think it's more than just being born again. That's why I chose this verse for this time. And he who who overcomes, this is 21, I will grant him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Do you see how... I said God wants to give us everything. He wants us to sit down. On his throne with him. Talk about. Opening. Things up for us. So I'd like to close with just a word of prayer. If you. Feel like you'd want to get closer to God. I'd like you to stand. And we're going to pray. Something to do. With this Revelations 3.20. Just. We'll ask God to come into our lives in a way we've never known before. So if you want to, stand up. And if you don't, don't feel compelled that you're know that you being forced into. I'm going to go ahead and pray. If you'll just uh, follow what I say, we'll just go from there. Father, we come before you now. And we ask you to come through the door that you're knocking on. Come in and fellowship with us. Share our life and share your life with us. I pray that you give us courage and a boldness to go forth into the community that we live in and talk of the greatness of God. I ask that your Holy Spirit would come upon us in a new way and a new anointing and that the fire of the Holy Spirit would be within us. We just ask that in Jesus' name. And I just encourage you from this day forward to just call on the name of the Lord and ask Him to empower us. Because I really believe that's God's desire. He wants to tabernacle with us. He wants to dwell with us.